welcome to this edition of Rooster and the Villain. I'm happy to bring back the interview series with um, Mark Washoe, who currently serves as the Managing Director and Chief Commercial Officer of Flower City Union. Uh, Flower City's coming off of an incredible run in the NISA National Independent Soccer Association playoffs. Uh, so congrats on that run and definitely congrats on the successful season overall and, and the championship. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, exciting to have this conversation. And as you know, Flower City Union, we had an exciting run to our finish to our season, uh, culminating in a championship. So it's always fun to have a chance to uh, talk about that and other things soccer for sure. Yeah. So I was hoping you could just tell us a little bit about your day to day role at the club uh, for Flower City. Just well, so we get an idea. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I know it sounds like a fancy title, but it's okay. like change a few times too, I suppose. But, um, you know, I mean, I mean, look, since the inception of the club, I mean, I'm the one who actually founded the club. Uh, I, I call it, I tell people, you know, I kind of had a business, uh, a business plan and a briefcase for a couple of years, uh, after, uh, I was with the Rochester Rhinos and, uh, they decided to cease, uh, full-time playing operations in 17, even though we operated the stadium in 18 and had some Toronto FC two games, uh, that particular year, I just kind of felt like uh, we had some momentum going with the Rhinos, uh, which we did by business metrics. Um, there were other factors that uh, caused the owners to make decisions to not continue at that time. Uh, you know, Rochester has always been a great soccer market, and I figured, um, you know, it, it deserved it, it deserves a place in the landscape. You know, so uh, you know, but since I founded this club, uh, you know, it's been it's been pretty much everything all in in, in different capacities and. Uh, a lot of that is um, identifying the owners, bringing in the capital, uh, obviously guiding and trying to help steer and support anybody that we have uh, working in the club, uh, you know, sponsorship, ticketing, marketing, PR, all those things. And at different times, we've had some staff that have been able to kind of carry the load on and burden on some of those things. At other times, we've been super thin. And so, again, the workload has changed and uh you know, halfway through this year, I kind of ended up, you know, kind of taking on the almost the day to day role of things, which was never the the plan going in. Uh, but but it ended up being the situation. So when when you work with a club like this, uh, I mean, that's a great thing, too, for people, younger people, right, that want to get experience in pro sports. Sometimes I was just at a job fair. They all gravitate to the, uh, you know, the big dogs, right, the top five uh, MLS and NBA and everybody. But sometimes the smaller minor league clubs give you a chance to get a lot more uh, experience across uh all things within the business. So, so my day-to-day roles just uh, changes, it evolves. And, and many times you got to roll up the sleeves and just get into the trenches. And uh, that's kind of what we did this year. <laughs> it seems like pretty common with uh, lower league front offices that everyone's oh, yeah. doing a, a little bit yeah. of everything. Yeah. You, you know, you got to move the trash cans and pick up the garbage <laughs> and move the tables and set up banners and uh, do all that. Sell merch if you have to, sell tickets if you have to. It's kind of a, a little bit of an all-in experience for sure. Yeah. So, I, I read that you know Flower City was essentially launched November 2020. Uh, you played your first se- full season in NISA in the 2022 season. So can you talk us through that initial startup phase, what that um, you know pre-NISA season looked like as far as how you chose NISA as a league? Um, and then I, I, I saw some pretty great videos on, on how you chose the branding. So I was hoping you could, you could uh, reflect on that a little bit too. Sure. No, I mean... Uh... Yeah, so we we had kind of we'd launched uh, in conjunction with uh, St. John Fisher, who's a local uh, university here, and they were launching a sport management master's program that they had always kind of wanted to endeavor upon. 
So it just kind of a weird convergence of timing that we had found a primary team owner. Uh, they were launching a master's program and we wanted to launch Flower City Union, this team. Uh, that stated just from previous experiences, um, you know, when you when you try to launch, the longer the runway you have, and I always look back all the way even to like the Houston Texans, for example, you know, they were in existence for almost three years from when they decided they were going to enter the NFL before they kicked the football. And that runway gives you gives you time to kind of hopefully build it the right way, right? So we didn't want to be under duress, uh, even though it ended up still being a short, shorter than we expected timeline. But not to mention a global pandemic. For- <laughs> yeah, well, well, the, yeah, the global pandemic. I mean, that certainly played a played a role. Uh, you know, to answer your question, but earlier about you know when when we first I first met with Nisa, uh, you know, it was back during the NSCAA convention, the the United Coaches Convention. Now I guess they call it you know January, right before the pandemic, and and uh, but but that Nisa model. Uh, created a lower threshold of entry to get in uh, without having to raise millions and millions of dollars. Uh, you still have to raise a, an appropriate amount of capital, clearly, to get into professional soccer in general. Um, but, you know, some of these other leagues uh, just felt very uh, restrictive in some ways and very, you know, you have to raise a lot more capital, which I wasn't exactly sure in a, in a city like Rochester could be accomplished. So, when we looked at a league like Nisa that had lower barrier to get in, uh, lower operating costs, uh, you know, you start thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, you know, because I knew what the USL model looked like for the Rhinos. I was like, well, maybe this one ha- is more realistic for a market like Rochester. Um, so, again, it was kind of the right league at the right time with the kind of right set of circumstances. And then it kind of did give us that window uh, to, to, to brand the club in the right way. And I think the video you're referencing is one we did with a designer named Chris Payne. We purposely went on, it was like a six month, uh, really almost like a focus group kind of experience. And we had to do most of it virtual because of, because of COVID, uh, you know, but we were doing zoom sessions with soccer leaders, community leaders, business leaders. What does Rochester mean to you? You know, what, 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 what would a brand like this mean? How, what would resonate? Right. And that's how we came up with Flower City Union. Then we kind of came up with the crests and the colors. And we, we were just engaged from the beginning with the community. And the nice thing is when we actually launched, it went viral. I mean, uh, that clip, that that video went, I think, over 250,000 views within like 48 hours. And I was like, whoa, I, I didn't even expect anything of that manner, you know. And then, of course, right behind it, we were ready to go with merchandise and we had a really nice, we had a really nice launch, you know, we had a, it resonated very well. And that kind of was the springboard to, uh, you know, to, to launch that first 2022 season and uh, kind of, you know, took things from there. So it, it laid a great foundation to get started. Yeah, it was fun, uh, you know, as a Bobcats supporter to see you all come into the league with, uh, you know, the branding looked on point, the merch looked on point, your social media was on point and, you know, that's not always the case in uh, in lower league soccer and in, in Division Three. So I'd say it was a very welcome addition. But uh, we'll say, you know, off the field, you guys had everything right. But the first season, you guys definitely struggled a little bit. Um, so what's it like with, to put up all that effort pre the club launching and then to uh, walk through that first season and see, you know, the, the club struggle on the field? And then also, too, I think the pandemic was thawing out at that time, so you're also not seeing the traction of in-person fans, uh, you know, probably show up right away. So, what, what was that first season sure. like watching? Yeah, no, I mean, to your point, I mean, while we had that little bit of a runway on the business side, 
and the branding and brand launch side of things, which was, which was good. You know, that was a, that was a plus, um, you know, on the technical side, but I think it was kind of, we were kind of in mid to late February, March timeframe when we decided hundred percent, we were ready to commit and start playing with NISA because of, because of COVID and other variables, like we weren't sure, you know, if that was the right time to, to, to put the team on the field. So when you're trying to get, you know, we had some tryouts and things and we were trying to put a roster together, you know, two months behind, three months behind, for example, everybody else uh, puts you at a disadvantage. Um, like even the Bobcats, right? I mean, historically amateur club, been very entrenched in the Maryland market, core group of players, right, that they were building around. So, you know, we looked at, a, you know, obviously a club like the Bobcats and, you know, knew how you know good they were on the technical side. And so we did what we could with the uh, group that we had uh, in 2022. And uh, yeah, the results just, you know, on the field weren't, weren't, weren't there. And, uh, to your point as well, I mean, with a new brand, with a new team, uh, in a small mid-major market like Rochester, and there's been a lot of soccer history here and a lot of confusion in the market because there's been amateur clubs here as well. And then you have RNYFC here, you know, uh, it took a little while, even though our brand launch was great and we had a lot of momentum, uh, and there were people that gravitated towards us, there was still, uh, you know, a lot of challenges that first season, um, now we did get a chance to play the open cup and we did play DC United, which was awesome. Um, you guys played yeah. really well in that game yeah. too. It was, uh, it was a really fun yeah. watch. I remember, yeah. I remember the thinking was you might have a chance. What was it? Yeah. 2-0 or 3-0 in the end, but they scored late. Thank you. Yeah. They, yeah. We were kind of toe to toe until like the 70th minute, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. And then, and then they, they scored and got some momentum from there, but, but yeah, so, so it was, um, look, the first year was, was, was rough, uh, in that way. And, uh, but we all, we always knew like, you know, at the core, we, we could kind of, we could put it together. So when we kind of went into this year and the, this off season, we had a longer off season, we started the recruiting process much earlier. Um, that helped a lot. And, and really, uh, I think, you know, was a difference between kind of the results from, you know, last year to this year for sure. Yeah. I mean, you guys made a pretty splashy purchase in, in Diacate kind of uh, showing ambition in the off season. So um, how did you all approach recruitment differently in year heading into year two than you did in year one? Sure. I mean, the truth is, um, you know, we had a group of guys I can't take too much credit for in that sense, because I've uh, pretty much been really focused on the on really the business side and everything, on uh, everything else. And, you know, but at the same time, we hired some people that uh, there's a gentleman named Andrew Hoyt, uh, Jordan Sullivan, who's our head coach now, Colton Bly. Uh, we had a group of, you know, guys that had been around soccer that had been around, uh, the technical side of the game at all levels, you know, amateur youth and, and, and a little bit of pro. And, uh, they did a ton of evaluation. And what we did was we created the environment. We gave them the budget. Um, we gave them the opportunity for player housing. Uh, so we gave them the tools to be successful. And then we kind of let them do their thing, um, and, and bring in the players and support when they said, Hey, we found quality players or we got players willing to come to Rochester. And that's the thing too, is create the professional environment, right? Um, our facility is fantastic. We have a full-time locker room. Um, stadium much, looks cool too. It's, yeah, it's the, great, uh, the green 14, seating and yeah, yeah. 14,000 soccer specific stadium. Uh, you know, so we have the tools and the foundation. So really what, what, what we did and what I did was, provide that environment and the tools for us to be successful, then let the technical staff, you know, be the experts, right. And, and do the things that they do. So a lot of credit to, to that group that I just mentioned and putting that team together. And, uh, 
Now, I will say early in the year, we weren't so sure. <laughs> yeah, mid- that's, a, that's my next question. I think you guys started six of seven. Yeah. Yes. The difference being that is that, you know, you were, you could tell from uh, watching that the team was better, but you still weren't getting those results. So was there a turning point in the season that you all could pin, pin to, or is it just kind of like a slow slow rise throughout the season yeah i think when you look at our season so some so even some of the losses we had with one many would argue maybe that you know the upper part of nisa the teams that many would argue are you know top tier or whatever in the league so you know like a bobcats like a chattanooga like an la force not not to dismiss any other club or michigan right um we always knew we were competitive and could go toe-to-toe with any of them you know, almost beat any of them on any given day. And then when we would lose, it'd be because of, you know, you know, PKs, penalties, you know, cards, mistake, you know, you know, mistakes in many ways, or, you know, sometimes calls that maybe the coaching staff would question, maybe, you know, um, it's tough so, in the so VAR we'll, environment. To, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, watch with that VAR sometimes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great, right? In the league, having VAR in a league like this. So, so we kind of always look, we knew the team was much better. Uh, we knew we had some good early results and then when we would lose, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't by, you know, it wasn't by, by thin margins and sometimes mistakes and errors. So I think, you know, we know, Hey, if we can clean those things up and get them corrected and, you know, our coach Jordan Sullivan and oh Nelson Capello as well. I, I, I didn't want to dismiss Nelson. Uh, um, you know, he, he did a great job in the middle of all this too, right. With his expertise. So kind of kept the level of calmness of things. So I think it was kind of towards that, you know, back quarter of the season and some results that we had. We had a couple nice wins at home. There was a, a game, I think we were playing um, Club de Leon, and we were down a bunch of goals and we rallied back, you know, and it was really exciting experience, you know, and atmosphere in the stadium. We ended up losing that match. But, yeah, there were some signs that, hey, this team maybe could do something special. You know, and the guys in the locker room all year just been great, true pros, uh, great chemistry, uh, high integrity guys, you know, humble. So we had the right guys in the locker room, hundred ten percent. So we knew that we had the right coaching staff. We had we had a, all the everything was there. The ingredients were there. Question is, could we just put it together at the end? You know, that's sure. That's yeah, and I think too, uh, watching the broadcast, you could you could get a sense of the excitement at your live games. You know, with the camera angles, you couldn't always tell, but you could hear the crowd and. You know, from social media, you could tell that the game day experience had had really improved. So, would you mind touching base on you know how the how the crowd grew over the course of the year and and what you all did to ensure that people that came had the right game day experience? Sure, and you know that's an area that clearly, like always, you know you're you're always trying to 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 improve and and each match maybe you know have different promotions and activations. And we had another another uh, benefit kind of come our way. Uh, probably, you know, midway point of the season, we hired back some a gentleman named Casey Catlin, who was with our club. He was actually with the Rhinos, um, you know, many years before that, had been down in Pittsburgh, always kind of keeping in touch with us, um, you know, kind of missed Rochester, saw what Flower City Union was doing and and said, hey, what do you think? Do you think I can come back? I got, I got you know, a couple months now of uh, USL championship type experiences on the sales and marketing side of things. So, we kind of gave him the green light to run with uh, different promotions and we kind of approached the youth soccer community in a different way than we had previous. And yeah, things just kind of started clicking a little bit with the team performing better. Uh, you know, KC being able to kind of focus a lot more on those uh, youth soccer relationships and other kind of group platforms that we created. And then just little things in the stadium, you know, enhancing our party deck, uh, improving the suite experience, um, 
bringing in some other food vendor options. Uh, we had a partner, Strange Bird Beer, that was a brewery that, you know, they 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 have food, right? So uh, we did a couple promotions with them, uh, which improved the fan experience. Um, just, you know, we did, a you know, we started a march uh, you know, onto the field with our supporters group and, um, you know, kind of supported them and, and the purple smoke bombs they wanted to bring in, you know, the drums and the flags that they have. So, uh, you know, just, just kind of purposeful and doing the best that we could with what we had to work with and, and making sure that environment was better and, and certainly got results, you know, and, and the back end of the year definitely saw some uptick in momentum, um, you know, merchandise sales, you know, started going up again and all those, all those things were very encouraging and, and exciting for our organization. Yeah, we'll say the lilac uh, colors and the the crest is all very appealing on the eye. So, yeah, maybe I'll have to <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'll betray great. the Bobcats and grab a Flower City oh, shirt. <laughs> Don't get rid of the old bay, though, man. Keep that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, I wanted to touch base in the playoff run a little bit because uh, it was so exciting. Did you get a chance to go out to LA for that four two victory? Uh, yeah, I did not. Four? I did not travel uh, out there, even though our primary team owner, Jimmy Paola lives out there and it was a special treat for him, uh, because, you know, he had the guys in, in his backyard for a couple of days and, um, you know, was able to go to training and they all went to dinner together one night. So it was kind of, you know, opportunity for our owner to kind of be close to the team. And, um, yeah, so, you know, that whole road trip experience, you know, you know, we had, we had three, three in three weeks. Right. And, and as you can imagine, you know, each, it's great that you win. And then, you know, four hours later, you know, you're like, okay, we got to go to the next market and how are we going to get to Chattanooga? Right. And how are we going to get to Michigan and, uh, you know, booking, booking all the rooms and, and getting down there and flying or busing or whatever we were doing. So, um, yeah, there was kind of that. Possibly having nothing to do to all of a sudden having a full trip to book and plan for it. I will tell you the biggest misnomer in all of sports business. And as long as I've been in this thing now, everybody asks, Oh, what do you guys do during the off season? must be really quiet, you know? And like, that's the biggest chuckle we always all have because, I mean, this is truly a 12 month of the year, 24-7, always something going on, you know, no matter what. You're in different cycles, I guess, right, uh, based on the, 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 the time of year you're in. Like even now, you know, this week, hey, you know, Black Friday deals, Cyber Monday deals, uh, you know, budgeting and uh, season ticket renewals. And so there's always there's always things happening. But, um, but yeah, as far as, you know, the team stuff, 100%, you know, week by week, it keeps, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you got to do for sure. Uh, as you progress, you know, and then the media started picking up more and more each week, right? Because uh, we've been kind of chipping at them all year, sending them information, sending them articles, sending them credentials, and like we're not really getting our our fair share. We didn't think, and then you get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden, you know, they they really started reacting. So that was really that was really exciting as well. Yeah, I was enjoying the local news coverage. I I always have this hope that they would do it in the DC market for for Maryland, but they have you know kind of the same struggle. I, I wonder if a playoff run would would thaw that relationship at all but uh yeah. anyway besides the point so so you guys go up you score two goals in the first i think six minutes what's that feeling like when you're all of a sudden you know on the road underdog playing i guess they were the third seed at the time and you, and you guys take that early lead and, and win that game what's the feeling inside yeah. the club after that win uh i mean look the feeling was great before the guys left for that trip uh again strange bird uh our partner all year long had a viewing party and it was kind of nice being local, walk through the doors and see a whole bunch of people wearing flower city stuff, cheering at the, at the, uh, at the video screen, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the guys had definitely had confidence before they left. And 
I think, yeah, clearly those, the early goal lead helped a ton. Um, and then things got a little close there and then, and then, you know, we were to put some, you know, put the finish on it. And, um, I think the, the, the vibe was great. You know, uh, they, they, they were excited to travel back and then next day back on the training pitch, you know, going right at it. And the vibe was just very, very positive, very loose, very together. Um, yeah, I go to, I would go down to training most mornings during, during the whole run and just be around the guys and, and the coaches and, you know, just hear, you know, just, just to see what, what they're feeling and how they're doing things. And I, yeah, it was interesting. It was just kind of like something had, like you said, the, the, the switch flipped and, and all of a sudden there was this belief and, uh, that win really was, was big, you know, having to travel all the way across country, right. Short notice and still get on the field and perform. And, uh, beat a good team like LA force. So yeah, we, our guys were pumped, you know, they, they, and they, they, they believed they, that's when they believed definitely when they got back and they're like, okay, you know, it's not good enough to just say, Hey, we want to win the next round. Right. We want to might as well go for it. Go for it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I looked at the results against Chattanooga who you had in the second round and, you know, dominated the league during the regular season, but you guys have played them tough all year. I saw, you know, two one nil losses and then you tied them nil nil. And then right before the playoffs, there was a a zero two loss to them, but you know, that's not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. So I figured, I I feel like you guys probably had some confidence going in there and thinking, you know, this definitely could happen. So what was that game like watching, uh, you know, for (laughs) 90 and extra time is always, well, I don't you, know. I, I don't know how I feel about it as a soccer fan, but sure. No, no. I look, look. I mean, it, you know, that's been the big thing since the beginning of soccer time, right? The uh, especially with the World Cup and things like, is it fair to have games like this finish on penalty, right? I mean, never know, feels you, it, but yeah, it's the yeah. way it is. Yeah, uh, you know. And but but then again, the soccer purists will say it, it's it's just as part of the game as anything else, and it's also even part of the strategy, and then. It's even part of how you manage games for different teams, right? So somebody that's playing in Argentina says, well, our only real chance of really beating them is we're not going to beat them on the run of play. Maybe it is taking them to penalty and putting the right guys in there at the end, right, to, to get it, to, to, to win it. So, Which you did handily in four, in four penalty shots instead yeah, of the other yeah. hole. So. So, yeah. so, but what was great about that also was by that time, you know, we're back in the Strange Bird Brewery here in Rochester and we had quadrupled the amount of people that were there the week before. Oh, awesome. And I mean, candidly, I kind of almost cried when I walked in and I saw the people there. I was like, wow, okay. You know, because, uh, you know, people wearing the Flower City, they had two screens on instead of one. And it was, and, you know, of course, the penalties, everybody's standing, everybody's cheering every every shot, every save. Mike Mejia, man, that guy, you know, he was our yeah, MVP for sure. Like just, just just making saves and guys scoring uh, when they had to. And um, it was, I mean, to be honest with you, know, I guess from a fan perspective too, and just even me, it was like, it was tense, but it was exciting and it was, it was great. And uh, again, I think it helped kind of, it's part of the story, you know, like, wow, you guys beat Chattanooga and you had to go to PKs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. I can't imagine the the validation that you must've felt emotionally in that, in that moment, seeing the idea go from, you know, idea in a briefcase to full brewery, to uh, PK win against the number one seed in the playoffs. That yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that. it's it's and look, so a lot of times you know I I don't always try to you know I've since I started you know this is about the club, it's about the players, it's about the community, it's about the people that get a chance to be a part of it. You know I always you know I'm never I'm never kind of in the forefront. I'm kind of in the background a lot of times, which you know you know it is, that kind of just the way I feel like it, it 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 you know kind of should be operated, and and. 
yeah, to, but to have that moment and to walk in and, and you see it and you say, wow, okay, it's actually happening again. It kind of all the things that you knew could happen and should happen start, you know, become reality. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, and this is kind of what it's all about, right? It's why, why you launch it. It's why you know that there's an appetite for it. And then to see it come kind of full circle is very gratifying. And, um, yeah, it was a great, it was an exciting moment for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then you go into Michigan stars a, a week later who, you know, traditionally they're a pretty tough team to play against stout def- defensively, uh, don't concede a lot of goals and you guys walk away with a goal in the 52nd <laughs> minute by Matt, uh, Matt Bolduc. Am I saying that right? Bolduc, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, you walk away with the Anissa championship at the end of your second season. So yeah. you go from <laughs> you know, two wins in the first <laughs> season, it's a tough season start off this year losing six of seven and then here you are sitting in November, uh, a champion. So congratulations to you all on that. Oh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was, like I said, exciting for everybody involved. Uh, great run. Uh, you know, again, hats off to everybody that's been involved with this club, uh, you know, not only since the beginning, but also, uh, this season and putting the group together. And then of course, ultimately the guys, right. The guys in the locker room that play the games and, um, they just came together at the right time and, uh, you know, great. And I guess we forever go in the history books now of Rochester's professional soccer and uh, Wikipedia and all that. So uh, and we can put it on our T-shirts and put the star on our crest oh, and yeah, all, that's those, right. all those fun things, you know, that uh, go with it. So uh, the ring, and, too, I heard. Uh, before yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Apparently there is a, uh, a ring being produced by our owners. So uh, I'd be excited to. Uh, Look, the guy, the players, they deserve it, and uh, they earned it, and therefore, it's uh, yeah, it'd be, that'd be a fun moment as well, you know. Um, Absolutely, so. yeah. So uh, I guess I won't let you sit on your laurels too too long before <laughs> asking you about next season. Um, you know, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it always has some some rumors floating around. So I was wondering if you could shed any light on on yeah. you know what the club is looking forward to next season. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I think I think first of all, I will say uh, you know when you launch something like Flower City Union, and you know that there's a checkered history of soccer in Rochester, and you know that you know there have been clubs that have come and gone and. You know, we've served, you know, we've we've gone through the first two, actually three, if you count the run up year uh, and, have, you know, slowly building this thing. And the intent's always been to be uh, longer term vision, uh, longer term. Uh, we want to, you know, the idea is we don't want to be one and done. Right. We don't want to be one or two seasons. And that's it. So I think when we've uh, talked to the owners, owners and you know, everything that we're doing is for longer term sustainability and for being part of the Rochester's fabric of the community in the future. And the other thing is, you know, as you, as everybody knows, the soccer landscape in America is evolving and changing all the time, all the time. Right. And you know, leagues coming in, leagues at all levels. Um, so I think, you know, and many times for us, so the brand's going to continue on. Uh, the club's going to continue on. Uh, the questions, uh, you know, for sure, like any any organization would do, is um, you always kind of assess your options, right? And and look and say, hey, what's the right, not only for the near term, but for maybe the longer term, and and kind of weigh those. And and sometimes, as much as everybody, you know, all every all these teams, a lot of times are like, hey, you want answers in November or October or December. The truth is, sometimes you know you don't really know truly until you kind of get the, the overall lay of the whole landscape, uh, you know, within the leagues that are out there. And obviously with NISA, that's where we've been for the last two. And, yeah. 
And we didn't really make that decision candidly to really go forward and 100% until, you know, almost March, the spring uh, of last year, right? And mm-hmm. the year before that was, you know, probably in and around the same time frame. So there, there, you're always trying to make sure you make decisions and make, you know, good ones and commit at the right time. I think it's just that the reality is like everything else, you got it. You got to, you got to look, you even got to like let the dust settle from the current season, right? We still sure. don't have you know, financially speaking, like, you know, everything in all the expenses, you know, the, some of the revenues are still coming in there's still sponsors that have to pay us money for, for this year and things. So, so you, you, you need to, you can't really make decisions as much as people want um, <clears throat> until really, you know, the full story is there. And then you could, you could make the right commitments um, with always the goal in mind, uh, you know, obviously the near term, but also future sustainability. So, I think uh, that's the that's the answer to the question. Is that uh, you know we're we're in that zone now uh, where we literally just got the off season and 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 we're assessing the picture and how does it look going forward. But the brand's gonna you know the brand's gonna be around and you know obviously winning the championship helps and it keeps it steps along the way to uh, to building and growing this thing. So uh, that's that's where we're at. You know, um, and yeah, look, there's yeah. always gonna be rumors like every other day on Twitter. Or whatever yeah. X or wherever, yeah. you now Reddit. You know, some are true, some are not. Some are not even close to being true. Some are half true. So you know, the rumor mill is always going to be there, and it's always swirling. So to us, we we mostly tune it out. Sure, <laughs> yeah, move. that makes sense. I'm yeah. uh, I'm on the fan side of things, so yeah, I, sure. I, I probably take in too much of that information for sure. But, yeah. yeah, and and you know, you could go down any rabbit hole you want, right? Uh, and 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 of things, and uh, so. So look, uh, yeah. So that's that's the that's just the honest situation that we're in, and um, we're transparent with uh, everybody that we talk to, and and we're assessing, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, we'll make good decisions, right, to keep 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 the brand alive and keep moving forward. And um, and look, Nisa's Nisa's been the right league uh, last two years, right? So uh, so we'll see we'll see how how the assessment goes and where we end up, and 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 that that could take. Uh, take a little bit of time yet sure yeah and I, yeah like i said earlier i just appreciated you all coming in and providing new life to the league i i love nisa for the fact that it is a professional platform gives more players eyes to me that's you know that's a noble a noble thing yeah. but uh yeah and look we've luck. had to educate a lot of people in this market both the media as well as fans like you know we have a pyramid right of the U.S. soccer landscape, and we have to remind complicated people, ones. Yeah, but, but we're, look, we're we're Division Three, right? There's only three Division Three professional leagues in America. Nisa is one of them. MLS Next Pro USL. Then there's only one Division Two right now, right? USL, and then there's only one top of the Division One, right? Major League Soccer. So, yeah, and then there's the amateurs that flow underneath. So, so and a lot of we, great amateur leagues is the truth. Absolutely, uh, for I mean, sure. And, and NCSL with with the blues coming in and seeing what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. Right in your backyard. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Annapolis blues, uh, actually Fred Mathis and Michael Hitchcock guys I worked with early, early on in my sports career in DC United, like, you know, those guys are behind that club in the MPSL and they're doing great. Right. And there's other clubs that are doing equally as well in USL and, uh, there's clubs in NISA that have done extremely well. Right. So, so really, uh, it, a lot of that was education. And then the other nice thing is there's another graphic that floats around that I don't know if you've seen, but it talks about like the professional soccer landscape and the, the kind of geographic chunk that you have, you know, and, and the nice thing about that is flower city union. We're pretty much the only pro club from, you know, New York city where you have, you know, the clubs that are there 
all the way over, all the way to, you know, all the way to past Buffalo, pretty much the whole Western part of the state. So when we show people that graphic, they're like, oh, wow, we, we didn't even know that that's the footprint that you guys have, you know, professionally, right? Yeah. Did you think, um, you know, Rochester, New York closing in March had a, a big effect on on you all? And, you know, I don't want to say a positive way, but did did you see a lot of those fans gravitate towards Flower City Union after that? Oh, you're I meant, talking about RNYFC? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, look, certainly. I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, it's uh, we had, you know, two two clubs in a mid-major market, uh, you know, I guess you could argue competing, even though we've, we've always been friendly and always supportive of any soccer that's here at any level, uh, you know, uh, but but yeah, when, when they decide not to continue on and there's uh, people that have an appetite for soccer um, and people and look, look, you know, they kind of played out in the suburbs uh, while we play in the city. And there's, you know, different types of fans that maybe like to consume, you know, soccer in different environments. And they certainly had a following in the suburbs, you know, that maybe some people uh, didn't come to the city, but I think more and more people did. And they, you know, they said, hey, let's go check out Flower City Union now. And, um, you know, we made an offer to their season ticket holders. A lot of them took us up on it. So we certainly benefited from that for sure. Uh, Again, even though, uh, again, from a pure, you know, fan perspective and what's good for overall soccer, you never like to see teams not continue on uh, clearly. Uh, But, um, but yeah, but in in any event, yeah. So there's some benefit there for sure uh, when that happened. Absolutely. Gotcha. And I guess that's a good transition uh, away from Flower City Union. And, you know, since I've got you on, I, I saw a, a long, illustrious career in soccer. I'm sure it wasn't always illustrious, but I got to ask about some of the early days. So looked like you started in uh, with the Bisons. Is that a minor league team? Baseball? Um, minor league baseball. Correct. League yeah. Baseball everybody said, you know, cause I get pegged as a soccer guy and I know I changed my ex handle uh, to soccer wash because it used to be Freedom GM. And at the time, I was like, okay, well, I've had all this soccer experience, so I just kind of went for that, and it kind of stuck. So, uh, but yeah, it's the best sport, baseball, in my opinion. But <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, minor league baseball is where I started. Uh, good old fashioned ticket sales, uh, banging the phones, trying to sell group ticket any any ticket I could sell to anybody that would buy it from me. So, yes, that's where I started. <laughs> and then the bullets after that, and then I guess I wanted to start in DC United, nineteen ninety five. Very interesting time in uh, soccer in the United States. You got the ninety six. You just had the 94 uh, World Cup the year before that, and then the league yeah. started, what, a year after that? Correct. Correct. So, yeah. T- I mean, just – Yeah. Uh, way, <laughs> real quick, fat, I'll do like 10 seconds on this, but my ver- one of my very first bosses in sports was Susan O'Malley, first female president of an NBA team, kind of came full circle. I was down at a job fair at South Carolina University this weekend – and she was there because she's one of the professors there. And she she gave me caps tickets uh, to take my girlfriend at the time, now wife, to a game when I was only like 22 years old or 23 and, you know, still green, uh, you know, in ticket sales or whatever. But uh, that was kind of cool. But but yeah, so I was working for nine, nine, in, in 1994. I was working for Budget Rent-A-Car, of all things. I was outside of sports. We were the global sponsor partner, the official rent-a-car company of the World Cup. And I happened to be selling to the embassy market. <laughs> so that was my target audience for sales for rent-a-cars. Huh. And as you can imagine, uh, I had tickets. I, we had tickets to the World Cup. And I was definitely the most popular guy in D.C. for a while. 
every embassy in the planet, when they found out I had tickets, started running from me because they wanted my tickets. <laughs> so oh, <that's> awesome. <laughs> uh, I make a lot of money that month or two. Uh, I also, you know, became really popular with everybody, embassy of Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Germany, France, all, you know, all those countries, right. They love soccer. And that's when I really saw the power of it. You know, it was like, I walk in and you see the flags, you see the chants, you just see the pageantry. you I was like, whoa, like, you know, I'd been yeah. to every sporting event my whole life, everyone, NFL, you name it, I've been to it. And I was just like, this one, it's unmatchable. It, you can't match it. And, and, uh, and so then MLS was launching and DC United in particular. And then I was like, okay, this could be really great. I had got a couple of years of pro sports experience. Uh, the soccer experience is incredible. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate at the time to get in. I think I was like employee number five or six at the time, you know, for DC United. And that's wild. Yeah. Not in the ground floor. I would, you know, the, we, we went into the offices the first time we had no heat. We had to plug in the phones. Uh, we weren't sure the phones were working at the time <laughs> and we got going, you know, is, uh, was that, it was kind of like that. It was, uh, nobody knew who we were or what we were. And, uh, we just, we started going. Yeah. And then you guys, you know, were one of the better teams early on. I, how was, uh, how was the attendance early in, you know, 95, 96. Well, first, first you know, that's the thing a lot of people don't maybe realize, especially with DC United. I mean, you know, our very first game ever, we had 36,000 fans at RFK wow. Stadium. That's, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, no, no, it was huge. And, and you know, we, we had Raul Diaz Arce, who was uh, a great player, uh, you know, from El Salvador. We had two of the top Bolivians, Marco Echeverri, Jaime Moreno. So we had a really strong uh, Bolivian Salvadorian following right from the get-go of course, with everything else. And we were averaging somewhere around 16 to 18,000 that year, uh, you know, 20,000, uh, you know, on some big Saturday nights. So, you know, right at the gate, we, we were, we were doing pretty well, you know, certainly one of the clubs that led, uh, MLS at the time. Um, yeah, so, so, and that was pretty consistent, I think through the history of DC United and there would be games again, that would swell into the high twenties, thirties, of course, we'd have our weeknight games with eleven thousand people sometimes, right? Ten thousand sure. for, for sure. Yeah, uh, but, but 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 I think we started strong, and the winning championships early helped. And um, you know, the, I always say the late great Kevin Payne, who was the first president. You know, when 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 we would have the DC United, he said, "Look, we're, we're going to be Manchester United before anybody knows, you know, who we even are." And we got to walk with that swagger and that have that attitude about us, and it kind of that's kind of how we went about it and, and, and it kind of resonated and I think it kind of really helped us. And many would argue probably the club that did it, the, like you talk about branding and doing traditional classic soccer, uh, you know, obviously DC United kind of got it right, right from the beginning. And I think most people would argue, uh, you know, we were the clubs that kind of set the model. If you look at even everything going on now, right. Whether it's Charlotte FC, Atlanta United, pick a club, it's that classic tradition soccer and DC United was certainly one of the first, no doubt. Yep. I mean, it's got to be crazy seeing, uh, you know, Leo Messi walk on to the pitch for an MLS side after you saw, you know, you, you worked in an office with, with five, six people. So I'm sure that's got to be a wild experience for you to just just witness it and flick it on TV when it when it comes on. Sure. Yeah. And look, there's uh, like I always tell everybody, there's bump, bumps along the way. And oh, and by the way, you know, look, even that first year, DC, you know, like, you know, our front office at, at one point, you know, at the first year we, we got up to that 25, 26 people, 30 people. So really, you know, I think that's another thing people think like, hey, maybe it started really, you know, a lot more humble, but it, but it really didn't. I mean, you know, that's one thing Major League Soccer always had was, you know, the support and the resources, good ownership, good leadership, you know, things like that. But, um, 
But yeah, no, look, like, I mean, you know, Beckham came into the league at one point, right? Uh, before that, you had Freddie Adu. Uh, when I was with the Metro Stars, we had Clint Mathis, who had scored five goals in a game, uh, you know, kind of shining on the national team. This is all kind of before he got hurt. And, I remember the uh, the Mohawk, too. Yeah, right? yeah 100%. <laughs> uh, you know, and then those World Cup bumps would happen, right? Where, the you know, you know one time, you know, U.S. national team goes on a quarterfinal run, and, you know, we, we, we got out of group stage a whole bunch of times, and... So two, got 2002 was a quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah, good job, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm. I started late, but I'm definitely a soccer nerd now. I a little tangent as I, I my dad. You know, I went home. He's a big basketball guy, and he he mentioned that. Oh, I went to a Cosmos game in the 70s, <laughs> and then true. I sure enough looked at Wikipedia. Did like 70,000 fans at some point. I was like, oh heck yeah, yeah, crazy. Actually, yeah. it was cool. Uh, no both both in New York and then in Chicago. We did throwback games, one to the Cosmos and then another one to the Sting. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – both were just great. You know, Pele actually showed up to the Cosmos one, you know, and like uh, – yeah, as you can see, yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I guess now you could say I'm, I'm old enough to remember. I go, yeah, I went to Hollander Stadium as a kid with the Lancers playing the Washington Diplomats back then, uh, you know, for the Kodak night, you know, when I was like, I don't know, probably 10 years yeah, old. Kodak's popular in Rochester, yeah. right? That's a- so I remember that, you know, as a kid, just going to the Hollander Stadium, you know, and watching the Lancers play. So so then from uh, some, from D.C., you went to the Metro Stars, and I'm actually, I'm a New Jersey native, so I think the first, I, the first professional soccer game I ever went to was a Metro Stars game where they invited our youth club onto the team. Nice. I hate to tell you this, but someone from my team stole a ball off the field. I, oh, I felt guilty. Okay. <laughs> so you're the one. Yeah, we used to have yeah, this yeah. <laughs> Okay. But cool. uh, yeah, old Giants matters worse. I had a Metro Stars ball signed by Pele, and I had it in my garage forever. And then some kid was when we were moving one time. You know, it was I don't know. He was all excited about. It, so I actually gave it to a neighborhood kid. And then I was like, man, you know, looking back, I was like, because I went looking for the Pele ball, and I was like, oh, man, I think I gave that thing away. That was stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is one of those Ultima balls. It was like the green, blue, white. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but yeah. Anyway, I don't even remember his name, so can't get him in trouble. That's <laughs> by the statute of limitations at this point. But. Of course, yeah. So uh, yeah, what, what was that time like at the Metro Stars? Was that a much different experience than DC United? I mean, yes and no. I mean, look, uh, Metro Stars, uh, you know, bigger, lot bigger on, on everything. Everything was bigger. The front office was bigger. The stadium was bigger. The market was bigger. Uh, we had a lot of great executives in that involved with that organization. Many of which are still in the sport today. Uh, again, very hard, right? You're in a big market with all these teams. You know, uh, everybody knows. You know, the big the Yankees and everybody else, and then and the Nets and everybody and. Jets Giants playing at Giant Stadium, you know, yeah, um, kind of, which time, is kind of out there on an island too. It's not like you know RFK that was close in the city. You kind of have, have to drive out to to Giant Stadium. That's, absolutely, and and then you know, but at the time we, we were on a parallel path. At the time we were trying to build that the Red Bull Arena, the Red Bull Stadium. The whole time we were there, so I would say it was a fifty percent balance of trying to sell tickets and get people into the Giant Stadium while you know, going on meetings, meeting with business leaders, having luncheons. And, you know, I spent equal amount of time in Newark as we did anywhere else, you know, trying to just plant the seeds. And, and Nick Sakevich, who was the president at the time, you know, that was his, that was, that was his, you know, major focus was try to get us a new soccer specific stadium. So I had cool left, stadium uh, too. I, I, yeah, yeah, I had left Metro stars right pretty much at the time when Red Bull was coming in. And they start and and we had a lot of momentum for that stadium, so they were able to kind of 
picked up the momentum and then, then, and then make that a reality. I went to the first Red Bull game uh, at that arena and, you know, again, seeing that become a reality from, again, when that was a business plan in a briefcase and uh, architectural drawings for four or five years, you know, that was pretty cool too. Uh, again, a little behind the scenes on that one, but I was part of that executive, senior executive management team that, you know, really laid the foundation, planted the seeds and supported, you know, Nick and his efforts. And, uh, and then, you know, it gets a great, great state and one of the best in the country, I think still, I mean, for sure. And, and, uh, many argue that location's tough, uh, geographically, but, but look, they're doing well there. They do well there. So, um, another, and, and now Gotham plays there too, I believe. Right. I think so. Yeah. 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 I actually haven't been to Red Bull Arena. I, I got to go back. My parents moved to South Jersey, so we moved kind of far away. They moved kind of far away from there, so I don't go up it, north it, all that it, often. It's, it's worth the drive up 95 for sure. Uh, yeah. It's worth it. You should yeah, go. That's yeah. one of the few times you'll hear that phrase uttered. Uh, yeah, worth the drive up 95 <laughs> in Jersey. but <laughs> Or take the Amtrak and then yeah. take it out from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after that, Chicago Fire – um, was that the start of that club, that franchise or had they been around for a no, while? No, no, they had been around, uh, I think since 98 couple, they were one of the uh, first expansion teams. Uh, Peter Wilt and his group brought them in with Anschutz entertainment group. And, uh, but what I, what, what, I, what, what I, one of the main reasons why I went there and I was part of a new management team with Anschutz entertainment group, uh, to open and launch Toyota park, which was one of the earlier soccer specific stadiums, uh, in major league soccer. So, uh, even though the team had been around playing at Soldier Field. We played one year at Soldier Field when I was there, which now the team's playing there again. Um, but I was, I, was, um, I was brought in as you know, part of that senior management team to, to open up Toyota Park uh, and in Bridgeview. And you know, one of the first games we hosted after we had a soft opening was Chelsea uh, All-Star Game, MLS All-Star Game. We hosted uh, that the very first year of the stadium. And that was one of those, again, just amazing moments, right? You have um, one of the biggest brands and clubs of all of soccer come in uh, to play at our stadium at an all-star game with Major League Soccer with all the MLS people around. It was it was another, you know, you talk about those key moments, you know, that was that was certainly one of those gratifying things. Because I remember the very first time I got to Chicago, it was basically a pit in the ground. And, and, then, and then we had the hard hat tours that we could take people up to where the suites were going to be. And then, again, to see the stadium open – and then had the all-star game with Chelsea. Uh, that was that was pretty awesome. It's funny how uh, life can take you on that journey from selling tickets through budget rent a car, and you know here you are involved in all these these clubs that are now worldwide brands and MLS. I would argue is thriving and sure. Yeah, it's, it's got, yeah, it's yeah got I mean that's the thing too. Like you know, at the time people say, well, how did you do it for so long? You know, and and. I never thought about doing it for like my dad used to always say, Hey, when are you going to go get a real job, Mark? You know, like, and I kept saying that, I think this is kind of a real job because, you know, uh, you know, just who would have known, right. I, you know, nobody would have really predict, uh, we always talked about it always, you know, imagine when these little kids grow up and we get these soccer specific stadiums and we get, you know, owners that have the resources to really take it to where it needs to go. And, um, you know, but I didn't know that, you know, the, you know, all these ownership groups would be happening and there'd be expansion and there'd be brand new stadiums. And then, there'd be women's leagues that are popping up and then, you know, lower level soccer like USL that are, you know, division two, but in many ways, you know, trying to operate, you know, no different than kind of the, you know, the big dogs, the perfect, you know, MLS. Yeah. I mean, I actually love, I love USL. The fact that it's available on ESPN plus, which is something I have for my (laughs) love of European football, but I can at night now flick on a game and watch, uh, 
uh, I don't know, uh, Greenville Triumph played Tormenta FC sure. in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in Georgia. Yeah, so, I mean, soccer's grown tremendously since you started, but I have friends that don't watch the game still, and they're always offering suggestions to me to, to fix the game like, like it's broken, but <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure your dad is uh, on board by the time you got to some some uh, MLS clubs. <laughs> yeah, is he a for soccer sure. guy? He wasn't a soccer guy at all, but he mm-hmm. uh, no 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 yeah there you know, he would he would walk into some of these stadiums and go like wow okay wow I I, I get it you know like this is yeah. pretty amazing you know yeah great stuff yeah so I'm not going to keep you much longer but I did no, want to touch on the the freedom uh, experience too so uh, they had switched it looked like at the time to NWSL right about when you started as the president GM of the Washington Freedom which that's a pretty lofty title uh, and you got to. Uh, work with some some awesome USWNT players, and I'm sure a wide variety of of yeah. personalities and and individuals. Well, you know, it was interesting when I left Chicago Fire uh, to go there. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of behind the scenes would say, and this was again going back 10, 11 years, right? So, like, Mark, what are you doing? Like, why would you go to women's soccer? Like, you know, this is not going to be good for your career. And like, you know, kind of secretly whispering. And I said, Well, what are you talking to? Like, much like you, I have two young daughters. Uh, you know, uh, I saw, I, you know, what, 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 you know, I knew what the women's national team was doing. And I was like, this is actually a great opportunity. I'm super excited. We were, we were pretty, uh, much in partnership with DC United back then at the time. So like I knew, I knew all the United folks from my time there and I was like, Hey, I got some resources to some support. We had the Hendricks family who, you know, the owner that founded discovery Communications. So I, I knew the recipe was there. I, I saw the roster, uh, you know, not only the best women's players at the time in the U S national team, but, we had the best national team players from all around the whole world, uh, hmm. you know, at, you know, pick a country. And we had a representative, it seemed like that, you know, a uh, high level, um, you know, f- from Bompastor to Sawa to, you know, you, there's a whole slew of players that we could list outside of the U S national league players. So, yeah. To, and then, you know, and then I think, unfortunately, you know, you know, even, you know, present day, like, you know, they, 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 they hadn't really had the right environment or leadership or whatever to kind of create that true professional environment, so I came from Major League Soccer, and I'm like, I'm going to bring – we're going to do it just exactly the same here. We're going to treat these women and these players and this organization no different than we would an MLS club. And I think early on – I still have a letter from Abby Wambach that just kind of – after that first year, like she had all the players sign it, wrote me a nice note saying, you know, everything that you've done is not lost on us. We, we're so grateful and appreciative. And, you know, to me that just meant so much at the time, like to get a letter where the players kind of acknowledge what we did – and look, we had a great thing going on, you know, great crowds. Uh, you know, we never won the championship. We were getting there. But yeah, that, that was just, a, to be honest, one of my most rewarding, exciting uh, periods of my of my career. Uh, um, and my daughter's got a chance to play soccer with Abby Wambach at our house one day in the front lawn with, you know, all these other, you know, great national team players like Becky Sauerbrunn and Allie Long. And they didn't, they were too young to remember, like even what was going on there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty, it was cool. Cause we had the whole team out at my house in Chicago for dinner when I was kind of making the transition. So yeah, that's yeah, awesome. great memories, great memories. And look, uh, you know, the thing is also what's happening with NWSL now. And you look at the, um, the team in Los Angeles, for example, just to kind of be quick on that. Angel City, yeah. yeah. Angel City FC. And you see the celebrity star power they've attracted, I was the guy trying to do that 10 years before and I uh, Ava Longoria, for example, was kind of a little bit kind of getting interested and had some players with some connections and we knocked on all those doors, you know, and, and I think we were just a little before the time 
Uh, and again, I'm excited for what NWSL is building and, and, and the future of that league. And again, I was part of the spirit that helped launch, um, you know, NWSL. Uh, and I think what we did with the freedom really was a catalyst uh, for all that. So it's very gratifying to see what's going on now. All right. So uh, you've also – I did want to talk about your own company super quick and then we'll end on the rhinos and we'll get you out of here. All right. Cool. Maybe uh, we should just turn this into two segments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we usually go about an hour. I should have warned you ahead okay, of time. No, oh, but, that's fine. Yeah. No, that's cool. I you know, hope, hope other people care enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. No, no, no. Look, I think it's – look, uh, I always tell people it would be fun to – you know, some people do like grabbing beers with me and, and saying, hey, because it's a great story. It's a lot of stuff and uh, – you know, I, I could certainly write a book on things that should or should many stories shouldn't be told, probably. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's really probably cool. the ones that are most entertaining, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's just cool to be part of the, I guess, in some way, the history of it all. You know, and 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 it played the role that I have, you know, big or small. But um, anyway, I do appreciate the the, the line of questioning and and the opportunity to kind of reflect back because it's look, soccer wouldn't be where it is today, right? Without without those early days and the and the building blocks and the foundation for sure. You know. Yeah, I, I love uh, doing these interviews. We, we've done a number of interview series. I've, I've gotten off them a bit, but it's always been about soccer journey. I figured since Flower City made the run first, we could start with yeah. that. But I, I feel like uh, you know, a lot of you guys that have had these long careers, soccer wasn't what it was in the 90s. So it is fascinating to me to hear about about the journeys and, and see where sure. you're at now. It's uh yeah. I, I yeah. think it's a fun listen. That's at least fun for me to. Yeah, no, and I think the other about. thing is like you know we we a lot of us that were involved early days say look you know there's a, we we call it the heavy lift right the heavy lift of being in pro sports and soccer and like even in lower level soccer like Flower City Union right now it's no different than you know way back with DC United when you're trying to reestablish something and get something going and build a new brand and you know it's the dig and the shovel and it's every day of trying to build relationships and. So sometimes we look at the current landscape and say, wow, you know, we're not exactly sure if all the people that are involved currently realize the heavy lift that went into this, uh, you know, to get it to where it is, not to take anything away. Cause look at every level of the, of the sport and, you know, professional, there's always, you know, you got to work hard and you gotta, you gotta go at it, you know, to really create the professional experiences and environment. But it's definitely a lot different now than it was then for sure. A lot more demand for the product, right? Let's put it that not more people knocking on your door, coming to you, where we had to go to everybody in those days. I bet. Freedom Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. Looks like you've been doing that since 2012. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Just to end on that, I suppose. Um, you know, uh, I kind of did that right after this. Uh, the Freedom kind of ended. Uh, again, Michael Hitchcock, who's involved with a whole bunch of uh, MPSL clubs right now, uh, said, "Hey, there's an opportunity to really work with these lower level soccer clubs that don't have the know-how or expertise that we have from MLS." And I, uh, you know, started off in partnership with him. And as time progressed, uh, I kind of actually started getting way more into college athletics of all things, uh, because right around that time, the outsourced ticket sales, outsourced sponsorship uh, kind of became uh, more of a main. It was kind of really a trend that was happening, a shift in the, in the market. So we kind of naturally split off at one point. 
And then, um, you know, I've kind of, uh, I was really, really entrenched for about three years. And if uh, you look at my website, which needs major updating, you know, there's a big list of clients, but I also was always working at the same time with, with soccer clubs, uh, even, even consulted with DC United for six months, you know, as I was helping them on their sales and marketing side of their business. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of professional teams. So the soccer thing was always there. And then along the way, it started also becoming more about, Hey, how do we help markets and bring owners and ownership groups together with leagues and teams. And it kind of went in that direction. And um, even when I was with the Rhinos, I was able to keep it alive, do some guest speaking, consult on the side with a few clubs that, you know, I had been, you know, working with previous. So it's been a, it's been a roller coaster for 12 years, I suppose. Um, but I've, it's always been there in the background. And right now I'm back in that mode of, uh, again, uh, with the growth of soccer, with World Cup coming in 2026, with so many opportunities, with so many different leagues and so many different markets, uh, kind of positioning ourselves to kind of be in that world. And uh, and also one thing that we're launching, it's kind of in 24, sneak peek, a little more like an on-demand service too, uh, in the sense that a lot of these clubs can't afford, uh, you know, lower level soccer in particular can't, can't afford, you know, full-time people to do all the things that you need to do, marketing, sponsorship, activation, you know, even ticket operations and things. So uh, we have a, a stable of executives that can um, kind of plug and play, that are trained, that have resources, that have people like me behind the scenes helping them. And uh, that's going to be something that I'm pretty excited about uh, when we roll that out in 24. So. Nice. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, what's the What's the website people can find you on? And uh, it's just uh, freedomsne.com, which stands for Freedom Sports Entertainment. So, uh, yeah, that thing's getting an overhaul too. So, because <laughs> look, the focus has really been on Flower City, and it's still there. Uh, it's just that uh, you know it's, it, we, we've got some capable people that are involved in and day to day, and you know, I got it. We got to a place where it's, you know, doing some good things. So, uh, I can, I can start focusing a little more on the agency side of things as we move into, into the next year. That, that sounds great. And, uh, real quick. Um, so after the freedom, looks like you started your own business and then it looked like you jumped out of soccer for a little bit, but did you, did you always have that? You, you had your business going on this at the same time. So yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of always kept it going on some level. Like I said, there's been times where I've been fully entrenched and then there's been times where it's just been a nice little side hustle. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. And that experience you're talking about, I guess is celebrity cruises for a little while. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) People think it's a huge departure, but same kind of thing. We were selling luxury suites and club tickets, you know, and their VIP levels and, uh, you know, sales, marketing, consumer marketing, all that was there. Uh, but yeah, that actually came from one of my clients, Stony Brook Athletics, who we uh, sold a sponsorship to their basketball arena. And I just happened to know them and the timing was good. And But yeah, the sports thing was always there. Uh, always, you know, I went to the coaches convention that year and that's where I bumped into somebody that told me about the rhino situation and they were looking for somebody. And I feel like as much as you try to gravitate away from this industry, when you've been in it, there's something that always kind of pulls you back. (laughs) And, and, uh, especially on the soccer side, even though I've done a lot of things outside of soccer as well. Um, it, it, uh, you know, it's something that kind of gets in your DNA, it kind of gets into your blood, uh, kind of is what, what you know and what you love and what you do. So, um, yeah, the sports business side of things is is always been there, no matter what, for sure. Cool. So, and then you, uh, before Flower City, you jumped back into. Uh, I guess you moved back to Rochester from. Were, were you in the DC area for a bit? Yeah, a long, long time. Two different times. Yeah, early days, DC yeah. United. Were and you then, in DC? I'm 
uh, I was in Arlington, Virginia at gotcha, the time. Gotcha, all right. Yeah. There's probably a, not a Virginia town that I haven't lived in at this point. <laughs> uh, and, and then, and then uh, you know, back back in, uh, well, in your neighborhood, I was up in Kentland's Gator, Gatorsburg. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I's first apartment was uh, right in that area, Kentland's. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yep. it was, uh, you know, five minutes from the soccer plex. And uh, that's what I called home for probably seven years uh, where the Bobcats play right now. And my yep. office is right there. Great you know, stadium right? too. I love the great, great pitch. Great pitch. Great, great. Yeah, the playing fields is incredible. One of the best yeah. in the country by far. Definitely, definitely. So. All right, Mark. Uh, thank thank you, Mark. you so much for your time. I, I I appreciate having you on. So thank you, thank you for the time, and uh, uh, good luck to you. And I uh, hope you uh, amplify everything and continue success. And like maybe we do it again in a couple of months or something down the road. Let's see how it goes. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll keep you in my uh, digital Rolodex. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. Uh, right, thanks, Mark. Take care. Right, bye.